What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast. This is Clark. And Bobby Jean. So glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey, you guys. Thanks for listening today to Wake Before the Day with Clark and I. We're so glad to be back in the book of Exodus, chapter 8, and so much to catch up on. Yep, so I'm going to do, like we promised, a quick recap as to where we've been. I'm going to try to do it very quickly because there's a lot. Genesis 1. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not going better. God created. No. All right, Exodus 1. People forgot about Joseph. There's a new pharaoh in town. Uh, They were worried about getting overthrown by the Hebrew people, so they enslaved them. 400 years, they're there. Moses is born. Pharaoh uh, puts out a command and an edict to kill all the babies, specifically the baby boys, so that the Egyptian power and strength would not be threatened. Uh, Moses is sent down the Nile in a basket. Pharaoh's daughter gets him and ends up taking him to be her own son. Mm -hmm. He is raised in the palaces of Egypt and rises to a prominent position, second behind Pharaoh. As Moses grows older, eventually something must register in his heart, and he kills an Egyptian who is beating a Hebrew person. He has to go on the run. He flees to Midian, where he meets his wife. He becomes a shepherd. While looking after the sheep, he sees a burning bush, and the burning bush is... Jesus! Jesus! That's right. And Jesus speaks to him in the burning bush and gives him commands. Moses Mm -hmm. is a big chicken coward like me, like you sometimes, and tries to think of every way possible to get out of going to Egypt, the place that he ran from, the place that they want to kill him. But instead, God sends him back. Moses eventually is obedient. He goes to Pharaoh with his brother Aaron and tells him, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, take a hike, dude. Not happening. So then they have a little show off as to who can do better uh, supernatural tricks mm-hmm, for the mm-hmm. Egyptians and uh, supernatural miracles for Moses. And really, up to this point, um, Pharaoh's magicians are keeping pace with God. And so as he tells them, let my people go, Pharaoh becomes an even bigger punk and takes away their straw. They still have to make the same amount of bricks. And God promises deliverance. But Pharaoh hates Moses. The people hate Moses. And Moses is going, God, help me. What's happening? And then we get to today. Where Aaron's speaking for Moses, Aaron's staff becomes a snake, and then the plagues start. Well done. So. Wow. There we yeah. go. Okay, so now chapter eight. Chapter eight. We're jumping <laughs> into this. Where are we starting, Bobby? Um, well, you said how up to this point the magicians had been keeping pace. And so let's go ahead and read, what is that, 817? Yeah. And see what that says. Hmm. This says, um, this is, so they had the plague of frogs, and then there was the plague of gnats. And Moses says, Tell Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the ground. And throughout the land, the Egypt, the, the land of Egypt, the dust will become like gnats. And they did this. And when Aaron stretched out his hand with the staff and struck the dust of the ground, gnats came upon men and animals. All the dust throughout the land of Egypt became gnats. Verse 18. When the magicians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts, they could not. And the gnats were on the men and animals. So this is kind of echoing what we heard in Exodus chapter 3, that there would be signs and wonders that God would do, that he would reveal himself, that he is the one true God, and that these Egyptian gods that are being worshipped, that are you know being held up as equals, are not equals. And so up until this point, like Clark said, they, it's somehow, you know whether it's some kind of demonic or supernatural power or magic, like just uh, the trick of the eye, however they're doing it, 
um, they're not anymore. And so you see that there's a separation and kind of this distinguishing um, of Yahweh, of the one true living God, and these Egyptian gods that um, that the people have been worshiping. And so did you want to speak about that, about how really there's a... Um, a theme and a thought here that talks about how the plagues really are mm-hmm. potentially symbolic for but, yeah, those gods. But before there, the one thing I do want to say from verse 17 and 18 is that that's actually part of my prayer and hopefully our prayer today, hmm. where at God at this point, God separates himself from these clowns, these Egyptian magicians. He's like, yeah. look, you guys can't keep pace with me, however you're doing it. And pretty soon everyone's going to realize, whoa, there's something different about this Yahweh, mm-hmm. this Jehovah. Mm-hmm. He's doing stuff that the Egyptian gods can't. He separated himself. And so that's my prayer for today, that Mm -hmm. God, his church, uh, the believers would seek to glorify God in your life and my life and our lives. Mm -hmm. And we would live in a way and God would work in and through us in a way that's different than the world and something that the world cannot match. Mm. Whether it's loving our neighbor, whether it's blessing those around us, whether it's being generous or forgiving, whatever, you name it. God, would you separate us from the ways of the world and make a clear distinction. Um, and I pray that people would come to Christ. That's a good, yeah. Because even the magicians themselves in verse 19, the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. Yeah. <laughs> like, realize, okay, there's something up here. We're out of our league. <laughs> but anyways, Bobby, you're going back to the plagues. And yeah, so this is not a fact. But when you study the Egyptian culture, I had to do this in seminary, you look at the plagues and they seem to yeah. counter... Egyptian gods. And as Hulk says in Avengers, the puny gods. They're puny. <laughs> little, little wussy gods. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they can't match God. But what's interesting is the second plague that we read in Exodus 8 mm-hmm. is the frogs. Well, the Egyptians had a god named Heket, a goddess, who had a frog head. Mm. And she was sacred. So in Egypt, you couldn't kill frogs. They let all the frogs live. Mm. Uh, the third plague is gnats. And this was a judgment on uh, the god Set, is the god of the desert. And so you mm-hmm. notice God has them strike the dust of the ground, like mm-hmm. really the dust of the of the desert. Interesting. That's when they say this is the the finger of God. Um, next, the fourth plague, flies, was a judgment on Uekt, a fly god. And mm-hmm. so you see that God's clearly distinguishing. Look, here are your puny gods, and here is my work, <laughs> and I'm crushing you at every turn. So pay attention, Pharaoh, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and it continues into the next couple of chapters. That's that's good learning. Thanks for bringing that up. That's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. What stuck out to me mainly is how through all of these, you know, signs and wonders and powers, um, you know, God is inviting Moses and Aaron even still, you know, despite their reluctancy, despite their excuses, despite their dragging feet, um, into participate. Mm -hmm. So if you read throughout different um, verses in this chapter eight, uh, you'll see Moses crying out to God or um, the Lord saying to Moses. So specifically, like I'll just list here a couple. Verse five, then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your hand. So there they are participating. They're stretching out their hand. Verse 12, after Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh, Moses cried out to God, crying out to God, interceding, praying on behalf of. Verse 16, then the Lord said to Moses again, this is when they stretch out their hand again. And verse 20, and then in verse 30 again too, then Moses left Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. So there's this invitation to practically and um, intentionally participate with what God is doing. 
because the, the truth of the matter is God's doing it. He's the one doing the miracles and yeah. the signs and the wonders. And like Clark said, he's the one, you know, differentiating and separating himself from these puny, you know, gods, these um Egyptian people have made. He's the one doing it. But he has invited Moses in from the beginning to say, back in chapter 30, I'm doing something. Come participate with me. And so that was kind of a just what stuck out to me. A little learning for me in this chapter is just to have um, Holy Spirit lens in my day to day. Where is God inviting mm-hmm. me in to participate with him? Because the truth is still the same. God's doing stuff today. Yeah. What's he up to? Yeah. And so, you know, you might probably potentially could totally meet me in the burning bush, but he's definitely meeting me here in Exodus chapter eight. And uh, encouragement, you know, here to cry out and to pray and participate. Um, like Clark was saying, to, that distinguishes us, like those those acts when we participate. And so that's a little bit of what mm-hmm. those verses stuck out to me. Yeah. And then finally, just pay attention to the main characters of this story, God. God is mm-hmm. faithful. He's delivering. Even though there was a period there, and we talked about that in the podcast on Monday and Wednesday, where Moses is like, yo, God, the Hebrew people hate me because you're you're not doing what you told me you would do, and Pharaoh's coming after me, but God comes through, and he's faithful. Well, I actually want to talk about that for a second, because oh, I think... Please do. I, <laughs> yes, yes because Moses was in a tough spot there, but it's not that God was inactive and that he For was sure. passive. It was just that Moses' timing was wrong. Yeah, God was doing his thing, his way in the perfect time. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that resonates with me, you know, times a million too. How often do I... Uh, cry out and, and uh, you know, ask the Lord for something tomorrow. And, you know, three years later, I see fruit in it. Yeah. There's just different. That's a good word. Anyway, so, so God's faithful. God's faithful. And, and it's according to his timing. Secondly, Moses has been silly, been reluctant, been a scaredy cat, mm-hmm. but has been obedient eventually. And so, God, would you help us be obedient? Pharaoh is just worried about getting his way. So yeah. He's worried about his reputation. He's worried mm-hmm. about his kingdom. And so where, Lord, where Lord, do we have like the Egypt in our heart? We have our strongholds. We want to hold on to things mm-hmm, and do them mm-hmm. our way. And at the end of the day, again, Moses' cry is like, we want to go worship. That's how right? the chapter ends. They're like, all right, we'll go worship. And Pharaoh's like, fine, go worship in the land. And Moses is like, no, we got a three days journey to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Now on this side of the cross, Jesus Christ has died, resurrected, ascended, poured out his spirit. You and I are called to worship and we can worship anywhere. Mm-hmm. We don't need to sacrifice some weird animal. We can just sit right where you're at right now and praise God for who he is and mm-hmm. what he's done. We can drop to our knees in our bedroom while we're doing dishes. We can worship. We can listen to mm-hmm. music at the touch of a button and sing praises to God. I mean, we're spoiled rotten is good. So just know the Lord's inviting you to worship him as well. Mm-hmm. And you get to actively participate. God bless you guys. Have an awesome Friday. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you his peace. Have a great day.